0: Hello and welcome back to the Charlie Ashby Show. This week, I have the pleasure of being joined by a dear friend, one who works as a lab technician and bartender, it's Claire Stripling. Hey, Claire.
1: Well, hey, long time no talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for people who don't uh, know what's going on, uh, me and Claire do a Star Wars podcast called the Imperial Snip Podcast, and we've literally just finished recording episode eighty. so it's not like we've been <laughs> spoken to each other for a while.
1: That's right. <laughs> but it is nice to be speaking again after our short snack hiatus. <laughs> snack and restroom hiatus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dash and P, yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, but this is a different sort of set of circumstances. This is a less improv. Imp- I see. I was going to say less improvisation. I can't talk. I can't talk. <laughs> Just throw that out of the way. I mean, no, no improvisation. Uh, there we go. Um, in this show just pure serious questions I say after micing up the entire introduction Um, (laughs) yeah I'll I'll ask a question I ask for everyone the first important question of all how are you
1: oh damn um (laughs) I'm (laughs) doing I'm doing actually pretty well I I've had my first I always have one day off during the week but Today, I get a second day off this week. They're not consecutive, but it's been nice. I'm enjoying my day off and relaxing and not putting on makeup and being presentable. It's actually quite nice.
0: (laughs) So you're getting a bit more breathing room?
1: Absolutely. It's nice. You know, sometimes you just need a day alone with the cat (laughs) and and your internet friends
0: to really even you out. I would love a cat. I would love a cat just to hang around with. I'm sure I'm I'm interested. Like, does do you do less stuff but it feels like you're doing more stuff because you've got a cat? <laughs> like it's you've fu- got an excuse.
1: <laughs> it's funny you say that. Yes. I am terrible <laughs> because I actually I use him as an excuse to not do things sometimes. I'll be like, oh my parents will be like, hey. Um, can you help me do this yard work when you get off work? Like, oh, I'm so sorry. He's been left alone all day, and I just want to you know make sure that he's fed and that he gets a little so like he's just been left alone, and I feel bad. but I'll come by for a little bit. You no, know, tomorrow, maybe <laughs> I'm That's terrible. Incredible. I really am awful. And I am a crazy cat lady. He is my my main squeeze in my life other than other than my significant other, of course, but, you know,
0: because i I, definitely make excuses just by myself so if i had a cat i would definitely just be like oh no i should probably do this bit of writing but i could (laughs) roll on the floor with the cat
1: (laughs) you're right you know what he probably needs a little extra love and attention like he threw up the other day i want to make sure his stomach's feeling okay that he gets some loving and comfort because he's probably not feeling it seriously even if it's like he like He's, he, like, threw up his breakfast five days ago. He probably needs support. I should probably not do things I have to do. I am that kind of person, 100%. It's well, I mean, terrible. That's
0: perfect, yeah, that's the perfect antidote to this whole pandemic craze, because, I guess, you know, you need a bit of fun in your life. You need to, you know, cheer yourself up. So why not have fun? The cat won't remember it. The cats just don't care, but... No, they really don't. (laughs) As long as there's food in the bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, let's get some deep questions going. Uh, So, what inspired you growing up?
1: Oh, wow. That's, um, That's a heavy one. I've always been... I mean, obviously, we do a Star Wars podcast together. One of my main fandoms through my childhood and clearly through my adulthood has been Star Wars. And just those kind of fantasy stories you know really really got my mind going from a young age tolkien well harry potter which is something i haven't touched in a long time and probably won't because of current events um but i i think that that fantasy genre was really a good way for me to escape be it space opera fantasy or actual you know more high fantasy it's it's always been something I've been um been fascinated with and has inspired me in my own life but I would also say um I've always been a musical person both just singing and music and musical theater um it came like musicals really came to me at a time when I was very very insecure Mm. um it started i I think my first show i I was in other than like the fifth grade play that everybody has to be in <laughs> um like something <laughs> like that uh the first time I actually auditioned for something I believe was in sixth grade um so I was eleven and uh you know I didn't think I was any good and was gonna chill in the back and be in the chorus, and I did that for a couple of years um And then in eighth grade, I auditioned expecting to just like, you know, hang around in the back and be invisible and just do it so I can hang out with my friends after school and every day. And um, I ended up getting the lead (laughs) and (laughs) which was funny because I came home and I asked my dad, I was like, did I like, I, I got Lori. In Oklahoma and the first thing that my dad asked me was can you sing (laughs) I'm like I don't know (laughs) I don't even know (laughs) apparently somebody thought so like I really I guess we're about to find out um and from being that person I always wanted to just be invisible in the background like not to make a fuss not to have too much attention on me um and you know just insecure and just wanting not to make a fuss to having to put myself out in front of people and do something that I wasn't even sure I could do and just be vulnerable and have everybody staring at you when I didn't even want to ever make a speech in class. Now I have to sing in front of a full audience. Um, (laughs) It really brought me out of my shell. And after that, after I realized I could do it, um, I started developing my own voice, and before I was more comfortable saying what I felt, I was able to express it through acting and music. Um, so I guess nerd nerddoms, particularly like fantasy and and music that those are the two those were the two b- main things that inspired me growing up, and it I was able to bond with my dad. Over, you know, he's more of a Trekkie, but over, you know, Star Trek and over, you know, he would be the one taking us to go see the Lord of the Rings movies in theaters when we were little and probably a little bit too young to go see those. Um, And he would be the one, you know, he like, oh, let's watch, you know, let's watch the DVD of, you know, insert musical here. I was going to say Oklahoma, because that was one that we did watch a couple times together, but it's a little redundant. I've already mentioned that, but I'd say that's probably probably the two big ones. Two big inspirations in my
0: earlier life. And so do you think that the acting role and being able to sing in front of people helped you with your anxiety?
1: 100%. Yeah. It was... (laughs) It was kind of like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of like um, quitting my shyness, cold Turkey, <laughs> you know, it's like all or nothing instant, you know, just jump into the ice water and you'll either freeze to death or you'll swim. <laughs> and, and I ended up swimming and I it, it really was very, very soon after Oklahoma that I started becoming more comfortable with myself. Um, Big steps were made, and obviously it's a long, long journey for anyone to truly accept themselves for most of us, especially when it comes to having anxiety um which is something I know you understand perfectly well <laughs> um, unfortunately yeah unfortunately yes uh having having that constantly in the back of your head is it's you know it never goes away, but I will say that theater did help me silence it or at least turn the volume down a few notches and uh i'm in a much better place than i was back then and i i, I do definitely attribute it to to musicals and performing and that particular show in general
0: <laughs> i think like you said at age 11 such an interesting time in your life because that's basically where your teenage years start to happen i feel like you're becoming comfortable or more comfortable than you were Must have been really helpful for you during those years.
1: Oh, definitely. Like, I was a ball of insecurity and nerves all through that time. Like, it it never, it didn't go away right away. But you better believe that a few notches were (laughs) taken down after that. Like, oh, wait, I am not just this awkward person that doesn't fit in and feels like I don't belong and I can't do anything. Oh, I've got something that I can show that I'm good at that makes me feel good about me awesome (laughs) it really it really did help a lot and you know and you're right at a time that oh is such a sensitive sensitive time
0: yeah it's just one of those crazy things that's like i can't imagine like i think i did the same sort of thing with drama like i went in to go to drama because i feel like i have some sort of creative control here like i i can input something i can make these decisions like with acting you're, you're not just given the script it's like okay this is what you do do that done there's obviously a, a certain take you put on there were you always a creative child growing up
1: um you know what i i want to say no to be honest with you the only thing that i feel really creative when it comes to is is Acting and theater, that's one thing that I felt that I, I i was never a good drawer. I was never a good writer. I was never a good painter. I was never, I'm just, I'm not very, um, you know, I've never honed a craft in a way that nearly as successfully as with singing and acting. I felt like, um, and I, I was also um, a sports person growing up. I was an athlete. I started playing softball and baseball since I was in like third grade. Um, and I played travel ball since I was nine years old, um, like a club team and and um, since I was nine. and that was the thing when I was little that you know i I felt like that was the box I was put in. So then when I started doing musicals, I think that's another reason why it was so out of left field is it was like, you're the athlete and you're joining the musical. I Troy Boltoned my goddamn life right there. I was about <laughs> to say you,
0: Troy Bolton.
1: <laughs> I know, I relate to Zac Efron. And- I'm just like Zach Efron. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody for noticing. Um, no, but it's true. I was I was the athlete and then I, uh, I I found I wasn't creative. I wasn't much of any, you know, any sort of creative outlet I, I didn't succeed in until that. And just kind of good. And and I'm glad that at that time I did too because acting is a really and and musicals and music in general is a really great way to express emotions and channel how you're feeling through a medium that's less detached from your personal self. Because it's it's, you can t- channel a lot of your own sadness and joy and fear into a character that's not you. And through that, you can express a lot of your own emotions that you are feeling and that you are insecure, but maybe don't feel comfortable talking about. Um, it makes it less personal to get out some of that. At least for me, that was the experience that I had at that time <laughs> in my life. But I had a lot of feelings and I didn't know how to deal with any of them.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I was just thinking, like, what you said about sports. Even though it's not, like, as creative as, like, like you said, drawing or, like, art or anything along those lines. But at the same time, you still have to put a lot of effort and train yourself. And you're remembering those specific routines and applying yourself to something. So maybe there always was a bit of that where... You're learning a trade, learning a skill. Especially Definitely. Like, you have to learn, like, the certain uh, the beats, the dance moves, the stage settings, when you speak and stuff like that. And like, I guess the same with sports, where you, when you do something right, you get the adrenaline spike.
1: Absolutely. You got to learn. You got to get the foundation down and the muscle memory and, like... In both of those crafts, you know, it's absolutely, there are similarities and, um, and there is definitely that adrenaline rush that can come from both of them that I, that I did get. Um, one of them was a little more (laughs) emotional than the other, but exactly still both huge parts of my childhood for sure. And big influence of what I, what I still enjoy today.
0: I know my ultimate test, I described this last week with Auden was to decide whether you're a creative kid or not, even if you don't think so. My ultimate test was, when you were given homework, did you often do it last minute?
1: (laughs) Always.
0: (laughs) That that You're creative, that you're a creative kid. (laughs) That's the test. I think you passed. That's the test. (laughs) That's the test. I feel like...
1: I passed.
0: It's a relatively... It's a weird thing I, I always yeah just because I always remember people were like no I did that like last night or like the day before like what did you do I'm like this morning (laughs) like that to me always seemed because I feel like you do want to do well but at the same time you're like I'm thinking about these other things I'm thinking about sports or I'm thinking about art or tv or doing something else and I feel like that's always a great test for if you're creative or not um and this is a question I asked ordinary at the end of last week, but I'm going to bring it up towards you now because I feel like it's more relevant. Um, do you miss acting and doing theatre work?
1: Every day. Oh, yeah, I do. I mean, okay, that's complicated. All right, hold on. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I have been telling myself for years that I'm going to go and audition for something when I have the time. And when I have the time has been... No, <laughs> not happening. Um, but that that being said, there is so much that I get or in the past did get out of musical theater and theater in general. There's like just so much emotional gratification and you connect with people. You have to or you're going to flop. Um, you need to... Dis- to ev- like that is that emotional connection with another human being it's weird and hard to describe um but it's so addicting and um you know just it, it just gives me such a confidence boost that being said towards the end of my theater career in college there's a lot of there's a lot of things about theater that is less than gratifying um, Part of it is that um, is is when you are competing for something and someone someone wins, someone loses, but now you're stuck together. At least in the university where I was, there is a lot, of resentment people like actors are like athletes they are competitive beyond belief and they will do what it takes to get ahead and a lot of the time you will come across people who will resent you for your success and not celebrate you and vice versa when you don't get that role depending on the environment you're in you can come to a more negative place mentally. Um, And that I found my, that happening to me, a lot of the fun of it was sucked out because of the insecurities that people brought to me when I had success. Um, And, and that was frustrating. Um, People were trying to, dampen my shine and I had no intention of being a professional actor at all that was never going to be the plan um I like I like knowing that my next bill is paid for too much I don't have the drive to you know continue to audition for my next paycheck um I know that that's not in me um but that being said uh the one thing I don't miss is, it did also come with some insecurity that that people would try and knock you down a few pegs so that they could take it from you, take that part from you the next time. And and are there? You know, at least actors can tend to be gossipy people and talk about other actors behind their backs while they're performing, and that's so frustrating because. You are all in a place where you have to make yourself somewhat emotionally vulnerable, listen to another human being. That's so important, is listen to what's actually going on with the person in front of you, Um, and just put yourself out there. And when you put yourself out there and make yourself emotionally vulnerable and you get knocked down, that's just even harder. Um, So I think... (laughs) If I were to go back, because I really love I love musicals. I love the costumes, I love dancing, I love performing, I love I love singing. I'm good at it. Like I know I know that I'm that I can do it. And um and it's just so there's such so much adrenaline that comes with it that I miss, but that it does also come with those negative sides. And I, I really do when I when I go back <laughs> One day when I get to audition, I'm not, obviously I'm not going to be auditioning for those professional roles anymore or those university roles where people are literally paying their tuition to learn how to do this thing. And then you just took that role from them. Like I'm going to stay feel good community theater, not as competitive, but there's going to be competition and, and frustration like that everywhere. Um, low stakes, having fun. That's what I that's what I miss is is that feeling of just you know, of of joy that I got from it without the the hoops and the mind games um that really did end up making me so so negative by the end of my theater time. It was which is sad. Which is which is, you know, it is sad.
0: We've talked about this before um for me personally, I I didn't understand what I was going through in terms of anxiety. I didn't even know that I had anxiety. I just felt like it was, from growing up, it was shyness. When I did drama for my GCSEs, it was, a, it was a sort of a way of trying to overcome those fears and feel like, oh, maybe I can do this. To the point where when we did our final like presentation, it was me, my friend Bob, and a few other people. We did this piece and we were told you, you're all doing really well. You're, you're guaranteed this great grade. And then when we got the results, it was like a knock to the system because that, that didn't happen. Like um, some people got really good grades and some of us didn't. I got a C and it was really like, a, oh, maybe I'm not good. And that created a sort of a bit of a doubt in my head. So that when I, cause I picked it for a level as well, which is like next tier. I was deeply, like, out of it. Like, I remember the first assignment we had to pick up monologue, and I just couldn't do it. I was like, I can't do this on my own. Like, this is terrifying. And so I sort of just ignored that. So I kind of, re- I do know how stressful and horrible this world can be. Like it, it, When you go up there, sometimes it's the best feeling. Like, oh. Sometimes, I've con- yeah. I've conquered my fears. Like, I, I can, I'm king of the world. And other times, it's just... They drag you down. Like, I remember having a deep panic attack before an exam. And the teacher being like, look, you, you're overdramatic. And I was like, well, one, isn't that a good thing? Um, <laughs> two, <laughs> um, like, I'm having a panic attack. Like, I wasn't just faking it. I was like, I don't like this. This isn't good for me. I haven't learned the thing because I'm terrified. And that really put me off. But recently... Last few years, I've been like trying to I'm slowly getting back into the thing. Like, we talked about this before, like musicals and just acting in general. But I really do miss that atmosphere. I feel like doing podcasts actually, in a way, filled that hole because we're kind of promoting ourselves, we're you know, projecting our voices to a live audience. Well, not well, sometimes to a live audience, actually. To be yeah, fair, yeah,
1: sometimes we've done that.
0: Um. And I'm sure we'll do it at live shows in the future. That'll be just like kind of scary, but I'm more up for doing that now than I would have been before. Do you feel the same way? Like this podcast helped?
1: Yeah. Um like to I mean, to get a little personal, even though this entire podcast is supposed to be personal. Um Yeah, so when I wanted to do a Star Wars podcast for years. Years. Um Before I even was comfortable speaking openly, you know, about my fandom and the geeky little books I would read and watching the Clone Wars at home through high school and and stuff like that, um, I wanted to do a Star Wars podcast forever and it was something that I felt really insecure about because I didn't know anybody in my personal life that was a Star Wars nut like I was, um... And, you know, when it's something that means something to you and you genuinely care about, but you're not sure how it's going to be received or how how you will do in that format, um, I had a lot of doubts. And then, um, and then a couple years down the line, uh, when I was out of college, I started dating a certain person who was also in the Star Wars fan community. And they kind of – no, not kind of. They put in my head – When I said, I'm going to start a podcast, you don't know what you're getting into. I don't know if it would be good for you. I don't know. Like, you should rethink, you should think about this a little bit more before you do a podcast. And then when I joined the Imperial Senate podcast and I asked this individual to be on the show, it was like, I just, I'm just going to wait until you got, until you feel like you know what you're doing. Like, just let me know, like take some time, practice. And it really knocked me down. Uh, It knocked me down so hard. Like, I had so much doubt. And if you listen to the first couple episodes, I did this the other day. If you listen to one of the first couple episodes that I was on the Imperial Senate podcast, and then you listen to an episode from last week, holy shit. Because I remember recording those episodes and sitting there and you know, being in an environment where I was getting knocked down and like what I had to say wasn't important and that I don't have something to bring. I uh, My personality doesn't have something to contribute to a Star Wars podcast. Um, I remember recording that first episode I did with you guys and sitting there quietly and scared and anxious and like wanting to jump in and say something but not feeling like I could. So I mostly just sit there in silence and I'm just like, and then when I do speak, it's like, yeah, anyway, you know, I really liked the thing where it was... And now listen to... Like, podcasting has helped me with, with that anxiety so much and that confidence in myself and in this community of of people that I interact with now both online and in person about Star Wars, you know? And and yeah, that's helped a lot. This podcast... Like, doing the podcast is, has definitely helped me feel like not only... Um, can I take risks and be bold and be myself and not have to worry about putting a damper on my personality, which is, I mean, I would like to think I I got kind of a big personality and a lot of stupid things to say that someone else might laugh at. Um, podcasting helped me realize that, you know, it just say what you're thinking. It's okay. (laughs) It's Somebody will, will resonate with it. You're not alone.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've we done the show since 2016. And I think you joined in mm-hmm. 2018, right? Yeah, I think 2018. Um, And so we've been doing it for a while. And I know that my personal, like, it helped me personally, like, get my voice out and stuff. And this whole show itself, the one we're doing right now, is actually a, a way of sort of getting back to... The more serious roots of like yeah, I'm trying to be a better interviewer so I can do it for the other show as well. Um but I, I know like personally I just needed that for myself to feel comfortable. But I have to say, like there was a, there was a fun moment last year when we both went to celebration. And the amount of people that came up to us and just knew who we were. Wild. It was crazy.
1: It was it, it was I just I remember just thinking, holy crap, somebody listens and cares <laughs> and, <laughs> and gives any sort of crap about our opinion enough to stop us and say, Hi, I listen to your show. It makes me laugh. I really enjoy it. Holy hell. I just thought I'm talking into the void with you guys, and it's cool <laughs> that somebody else can relate to the weirdness. <laughs> it's, it was, yeah, that was, that was a moment. It was, it still amazes me, to be honest.
0: And if it wasn't if it was just one person, it'd still be amazing. But it was more than one person. It was just like, this is so gratifying to know that the way that we're healing ourselves in terms of trying to build our voices up, it's actually helping other people, like just entertaining them at least. That's always fun to hear.
1: Definitely. If we if we can say something that someone else can relate to that makes them feel a little less alone and if I can make somebody laugh those are the two things that I give a shit about and we did it it was evident that we did both of them like like, (laughs) hell yeah
0: high five to us Um, high five well well, we talked about your theatre work and how you you did that throughout college but like you said you're not doing theatre at the minute so I want to ask you how did you find yourself working in your chosen field as a lab technician
1: Uh, so, um, I've always been, I've always been good at science. I've been the more, I've always, like, like I said, I never thought of myself as creative. I was more the scientific brain than the creative brain. Um, and I was a biological sciences major in college. You know, I took all my chemistry, physics, you know, Geo- geology, all of those sciences I took I had to take in college and um that's always been kind of my my area of of interest. Um and I I the plan for the longest time was to go to medical school. And then I started on the pre-med pre-med track my first year of college and I'm like I don't want to be doing this. Um but the medical field has always been something that's fascinated me. I'm that weirdo who can sit down and watch the surgery shows, the if you are weak of stomach, please look away at this moment. This is graphic. I'm I'm the one who's like, yep, bring it on. I'll look, I will not look away. Um, <laughs> I know. Very strange. Um, but that's always been fascinating to me. And now that I'm on the lab side – it's really I, this is really dumb. It's really kind of gross. I understand that handling people's uh urine, feces, sputum, uh blood. Uh gosh, what other fluids do I get sent my way? Um it's not glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> it's not always glamorous and it's often quite gross. But some of the things you see fascinating. Um and one thing that is super, super important to remember is that about 90% of the decisions your doctor will make when it comes to treating you is based on lab results, is based on what I do. What I do is important. And without that, people get diagnosed wrong and treated wrong. And it's cool. I like being able to help people. I, I genuinely do. I like that. I don't deal with it as much on the patient side i do end up (laughs) because we are so busy and have so many patients i do end up drawing blood a lot a lot a lot a lot um which is something else i like to do because i'm good at it and people are you know i that's that social side of me um i really enjoy helping people and i enjoy talking to people um, but then I also get to go in my back lab and spin down my 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 specimens in the centrifuge and, and you know, actually test stuff in the back. Um, it's a good balance of having my space and the hands-on helping people, which is one thing that's – this sounds terrible. That one thing that deterred me from being a doctor <laughs> was the hands-on patient care side of it. But that's why I love the lab is I get a good balance of of both and – it's nice to know that you know that that it's that it's helping people. <laughs> Genuinely that it is helping people. It's kind of So, yeah, I kind of stumbled into it on accident. I needed to make some money and so I took a phlebotomy course just to get my certification so I could make you know, some bucks on the side. And then You know, I just kind of never left the lab.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds pretty fun. Like, just even the idea of spinning bloods. Like, I'm terrible. I I don't think I was terrible with science, but I I wouldn't know the specific indicators and stuff. But just the idea of spinning blood (laughs) just sounds
1: (laughs) You like spinning blood. It is pretty cool. Spinning it (laughs) into your uh, serum or plasma, depending on whether it's clotted or not, and then having your red blood cells, white blood cell platelets, all the cellular stuff dropped to the bottom. It is pretty cool. Have a little it's, nasty little yellow liquid on top. Blood. It's cool. basically
0: a superpower. You know the specific details of a you like that's cool. I wouldn't say that's not cool. That's <laughs> like a really cool thing to be like, okay, well this is a specific detail like here. If someone was like, like Ill at home, you could do the same thing like, okay. There we go. A little bit of blood. Give it a quick spin.
1: <laughs> Give it a quick little like. spinny doony. <laughs>
0: but yeah uh, i guess what the question i was gonna ask was what's the best part about being a lab technician but i guess you kind of answered that with the whole helping people out
1: yeah it's it's cool your doctor doesn't know anything without me <laughs> 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 you like you will not be treated accurately no matter how you're like i'm just the one to get the numbers to them they are the ones who have studied long and long and hard to say what this combination of numbers means and they're the ones who studied and know the symptoms that will be like hey because they're showing this symptom this symptom and this symptom maybe we should get a vitamin d level on them maybe we should get a thyroid maybe we should get a blah 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 and then yeah it's kind of cool i get to work with with doctors and and help them accurately diagnose and make sure people's therapy is working the way it should be it's pretty cool
0: you're part of the circuit, and if you remove that element from the circuit, it won't work.
1: Then they're just guessing. Exactly. <laughs> Without think me, think. your doctor's just guessing.
0: <laughs> I think you're dying. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> try, don't, try not dying. Um, well, I've, I've asked you what's the best part of being, being a lab technician, so it'd be pretty interesting to see what's the worst part about working, and this is overall, in the U.S. healthcare system
1: oh lord oh god where do i where can
0: i start <laughs>
1: um <laughs> this is this well, is if, probably if, not good
0: if that's too difficult just being a lab technician yeah what's the worst part of being a... uh,
1: well the worst part about being a lab technician and this is really really it sometimes i get really disgusting things come across my doorstep like I had to plate a whole bunch of cultures yesterday for a... I kid you not. A, um, I had to plate a bunch of bacterial cultures from a swab that was collected of someone's scrotal pustule. Sometimes I get really gross stuff like that. Sometimes I get the absolute most nasty stool samples sent my way. Like, I, I have seen and smelled and and gagged over a lot to be fair this job has helped with some of that um which is all kind of a funny like like if <laughs> i'm okay with that being the worst part of my job like not everybody would be but i i don't mind it as much as the actual structure of the american healthcare system being oh <sighs> being what it is it's very complicated um just because i work for a privately owned company at the end of the day healthcare is a business it has to be profitable and I think that is the most frustrating part about where I work is so often there's based on how things are coded um so when your doctor orders labs for you they order the test, but they have to give a reason. They have to put in one or multiple diagnosis codes. Uh-huh. And depending on what the diagnosis codes are, things may or may not be covered. And that is... It can be really frustrating because people come in especially if they're on like Medicare or Medicaid, they come in and like why did my doctor order this this and that which could be a total out of pocket cost of $600? Why do why should I get this blood work done? Because I don't know. <laughs> like um it's frustrating and I worry that a lot of the times things can go undiagnosed because of the way that healthcare companies how how they what they do and do not accept based on their codes the bi- based on the diagnosis codes like you can get this lab done but only if you have this list of symptoms otherwise we'll cover it otherwise and if and then we won't if you don't have these list of symptoms on there and it's frustrating it's really really frustrating because a lot of people don't get probably the full answers that they need Especially once you're over 65 and get on Medicare. Like, absolutely. But additionally, um, the one of the things that really does bother me, forget the whole insurance system. um, One thing that really does bother me is working for, working, my job is to help people, my job is to diagnose serious illnesses and save lives and make sure that their medication is working properly and getting the, you know, and that the numbers are good and that there's not some underlying issue that hasn't been detected. Um, But because, because this is has to be for profit, sometimes things might slip through the cracks legitimately. It's and it's, that's something that frustrates me so much is that this has to be for profit. Um, you know, it's it's totally not what people get into medicine for. Either either you get into medicine in the United States for the money, or you get in to help people. And if you're just getting in for the money, I doubt you're gonna stay that long. There has to be some element of wanting to help people, but then you get into this system where a lot of times there's 18 hurdles and 10 roadblocks to get to helping people. And that's frustrating.
0: Yeah, I, sometimes when I'm over here, like, I mean, my medication just in general is like nine pounds. So I'm just like, oh, that's a bit frustrating. But you think, woo, all the, the bonuses we have just from having the NHS is so much, like, we're so grateful that we have this over here. So I can't imagine what it's like. Where obviously, like, the US has definitely capitalized on medications and healthcare yeah. in general.
1: And, like, so I'm coming from somebody who lived in the UK for a while and lived in the US. And being a child when I lived in the UK, it obviously is not as memorable to me, my NHS experience. Um, but one thing, one story that I will never forget is my dad... When we were living in Scotland, he was hospitalized. He was having a hypertensive emergency. And he, so he was hospitalized. And one thing that he said, he said, first of all, he had excellent care, excellent, you know, excellent, uh, you know, the, the conditions of the hospital were excellent. The staff was excellent. And he felt so bizarre walking out of there. And being like, okay, so where do I, where's the, where do I get my bill? Like, where do I,
0: <laughs> yeah. where's the
1: cashier? Where do I check out? And they're like, no, just just go home. <laughs> like, and he's like, it was the most bizarre experience because being in the United States and all of the hoops that you jump through and all the money you have to shell out to not die in that situation is like Insane. <laughs> um, it's
0: ridiculous.
1: It is ridiculous. Like, absolutely, no human being on this planet should be paying hundreds of dollars for their life-saving insulin, even if they have insurance. There's like, no, I don't, I can't. <laughs> I just, oh, there's so much that needs to be fixed. <laughs> but I, I worry that we're so far gone in this system of for-profit healthcare, that is... It, it's so frustrating.
0: <laughs> well, I've got my fingers crossed that hopefully some things will change soon. Um, hopefully the sooner the better Um it comes to November. Uh-huh. But we shall see. We uh, shall see. i got one final major question for you. All right. Because obviously you do bartending on your spare time, right?
1: <laughs> yes, I do.
0: But... If you could be part of any other profession, what would it be?
1: Ooh. Now that is a really good question. If I could be part of any other profession.
0: Yeah, you like you click your fingers and boom. You're there.
1: Wow. I okay. So I have to I have to say if I could do if I could do anything and I kid you not this is obviously very influenced by my Star Wars love. I would work in the creature shop for star for <laughs> Lucasfilm for the Henson Company. I would want to create monsters and giant puppets and animatronic thala sirens like in the last jedi like that is what i want to do one of the things that i mean i grew up on these movies that had such fantastic puppetry and like the dark crystal and labyrinth and all the star wars movies and obviously i'm i mean i'm known on the internet for loving a ugly little monkey rat puppet creature um (laughs) I I love that stuff. I really genuinely do. I think that the costuming and the just the the rubber work and the painting. I, if I had any tiny little ounce of talent towards that, I would be packing up and want to do that. Um, As I love, I absolutely I love the strange and ugly and weird and i love that and i guess part of that does stem from my fantasy love as well i love the weird creatures and mythical beasts that can be created and come to life and experiencing some of that with your own eyes is just wild
0: that definitely seems like a sort of a thread line throughout your life in terms of like the outsiders yeah Uh, like, like the theater work like obviously i think everyone can agree that if you go into theater you're you feel like you're one of the outsiders um Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like belonging to this—that's so cool. I mean, uh, that sounds incredible. Any job that involves working with Kermit the Frog is
1: yes, <laughs> is a
0: bonus for me.
1: Oh, no doubt.
0: So yeah, I think that's a great—that's a great job to pick. Um, and you can do like a bit more creative work in terms of like designing creatures, not just creating them. Uh, I've always loved the idea of the, the ship bashing, where you get like different kits of old, like military ships or like airplanes and you know they brought them together smashed all different kits up together and they made like the star destroyer that seems like amazing
1: so cool
0: so yeah that's a great that's a great pick um so yeah i feel like we should do the quick fire round all right free questions take as long as you want for them but obviously it's a quick fire round so if you want to go quick go ahead um two heavy questions and because you're a star wars fan i've picked a question that i will ask all star wars fans um, and it's a fun way to end the show so first of all you ready ready what's a memory that you cherish the most
1: oh are these star all star wars or just
0: nope any memory at all. the last one is star wars based but just the other two are not
1: oh my god memory that i cherish the most Oh, God. I'm so bad at this whole quick fire thing. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Oh, God. Oh, God. I would say one of the memories that I cherish the most is my nephews on Christmas morning. They, when they, oh, my gosh. So I'm not somebody that wants children. But I love, 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 my brother's children adore them, wonderful. I will never forget when they were they were four, and they stayed overnight at our house. They both wanted to sleep in my room, and I will never forget them waking me up at three thirty in the morning on Christmas morning um. And going downstairs and wake and having us like wake up the entire house and watching them open every present <laughs> and these two adorable four year old twin boys saying, after every single present, <laughs> it's just what I always wanted <laughs> and I heard that about eighty times that day um and I think, and I have a very, very close bond. Um, well, I, I with both of them, but but Chase with one of them, he and I are are, at, are still very close, and now they are fourteen years old. Um, but Chase was always my at, right at my side, and so I remember just ha- sharing that Christmas with him at my hip the whole day. It was everything he always wanted. Um, I think that was probably probably would be it. Wow, that was not a quick answer.
0: <laughs> so, no, but that's a that was a lovely memory. That's a great one you've picked. I feel like even if you don't want kids, I feel like kids are key in terms of like definitely have a nephew. I mean, if you can't help it, if you can just like get a best friend who has kids because yeah. kids are the best. Like, if you ever feel like Christmas doesn't feel special anymore, either get kids, have nephews, or have best friends' kids, like because yeah. they will make you feel. Like you used to, like, oh my god, this is Christmas yeah. again. It brings like, you right back down to it.
1: It's important, like, I think it's so freaking important for all of us to not completely lose that sense of childlike wonder. And obviously it fades over time, but you need to find things that you can still appreciate that childlike sense of wonder and wow. Um, just look at, and, and watching watching kids experience that, like, just how exciting and bright and shiny everything seems to this small creature that hasn't It had as much experience with the world and hasn't been as knocked down by it yet it's really it's like soul warming
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah that's why christmas carol is so good because it just reminds you of those good times and absolutely Absolutely. Uh, okay second question what do you ultimately want to be reminded for when you die
1: oh wow I just think I want to I wanna be known. I don't it doesn't matter what I do. I don't have any big ambitions. I don't wanna be remembered for being this great lab technician. I don't really care when it comes to what I wanna be remembered and known for. I wanna I would rather have it be, you know, rather have it be warmth and friendliness and genuine care for other people than it would be for than it would be for any great achievement because and even if that that'll fade you know the that'll I mean it'll fade with my memory anyway but I I can't think of anything honestly in my life that some goal or job oriented thing that I want to achieve I just want I just want to be remembered for being kind
0: perfect I think that's I think that's Always a good thing to be remembered for?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Perfect answer. Um, final question. This is a fun one that will obviously keep you, uh, catch you off guard because it did for Alden and hopefully it will do for other people. You ready?
1: I'm scared. Let's go.
0: Final question: Star Wars or sex?
1: Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Wow!
0: I told you it's a hard one.
1: They're both so delicious. Um... Oh, my God. I can't... I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Star Wars...
0: That's fair I, enough.
1: I, I... Oh, my God. Is there something wrong with me?
0: <laughs> I, I mean, you can live without the other. I mean, That's you can true. live without both, to be fair.
1: You can live without both. Um... <laughs> Wow, Star Wars, I mean, both do excellent things for me. I mean, can't argue that. Uh, you know, uh, but, I, you know, even when if you're not having sex, you can still have that deep emotional connection with another human being. And Absolutely. I have that. But Star Wars, man. Star Wars is Star Wars.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got to go with that. I well, can't believe I said
1: that. Yeah.
0: We've well, got confirmation. Star Wars is better than sex. Yeah, thanks. You're right.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Claire, thank you so much for coming on. Um, oh,
1: thanks for having me. This has been fun.
0: Yeah, it's nice to sort of just delve a bit into your life a little bit and just, you know, be a bit more serious now and again.
1: Now and again. Not too much of that, though, you know. Oh, cause... no,
0: no, we don't want too much. <laughs> just, just
1: I can't do anything that. serious, Charlie.
0: <laughs> I mean, we Not without about throwing poop. a
1: joke. We did talk about poop, yeah.
0: And ball pus, so that's good,
1: mm-hmm, yeah, we did that one was nasty.
0: Ooh. And they must you're welcome the for the
1: imagery, yeah, judging by the looks of that swab, something got popped, so I'm just saying it wasn't it wasn't cute,
0: oh no um, <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not going to be photoshopping that artwork, um is there anything you would like to plug?
1: Anything I'd like to plug? Uh, Well, how about the Imperial Senate podcast, which you and I both do together? That's pretty cool. Um, I'd also like to plug that I'm on Twitter, at Stribs. That's probably about it. I don't have any, you know, other creative endeavors going on. I think we already discussed that I'm not a creative person. But, yeah, I think that's probably about it
0: yeah i feel like that's a good sort of plug like twitter is like the, the best way to sort of post out everything that's important obviously we've got the podcast as well um Definitely. yeah uh thank you for coming on again it was lovely to talk to you um
1: as always
0: as always um and i'll see everyone next time thank you again for listening see you everyone <laughs>